three, two, one, and we're live. Hello, and my name is Max Martinez. I'm Clay Stalzer. I'm Paul Peterson. And we're pretty much uh, read and we're going to discuss Canto 9 of Dante's Inferno. So right now we're going to give like a brief summary just to give you guys some background knowledge of this Canto if you have yet to read this. So pretty much in the beginning, um, upon seeing Virgil's failure to enter this, Dante's becomes afraid and remains afraid even after Virgil reassures him that help will arrive in a more different figure. And Dante indirectly asks if Virgil has made the descent into hell before because of how nervous he is that Virgil couldn't just come into the city of da- gates, city of Dis, to um, by using his knowledge and uh, words. As Dante notices the Furies, um, they pretty much threaten to summon Medusa, and Virgil cautions Dante to shield his eyes before the Gorgon appears because she can turn anyone into stone if you look directly into her eyes. Then, before she can do this, a heavenly messenger arrives, which is more of like an angel figure, opens the gate to this. The heavenly messenger berates the fallen angels from impending Dante's fated journey, and the two poets enter into the sixth circle of hell, which contained the sinners of heretics, which are pretty much atheists. And that's pretty much the brief summary of the city of this. You guys have any? So I would like to pose a question. Of course. Uh, the question that I have is: Do you think that the that in Dante's perspective, it is reassuring or unsettling that Virgil has been there before. Do you think to him that is a positive thing or a negative thing? I think, in my opinion, that... So you're asking is if Dante is, re, like, kind of glad that that Virgil is going... Is has, it, entered, has done this before. Yeah, is it a good thing? Or yeah, I think so. I think it's a good thing because, like, now he knows, like... so Because um, he's pretty much relying on Virgil to pretty much take him through hell to heaven. And he... I think, yeah, I believe it's reassuring and that, like, he feels more now comfortable and more satisfied. That I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. Paul, what do you think like, specifically? I think, well, Virgil has experience in that, uh, that realm, mm. in the circle six of hell. So, yeah, I think it's very uh, reassuring for Dante. Yeah, it makes sense that if someone's done an experience before, that it's reassuring if they're doing it again for yeah. someone who's new to that. But Virgil does say which name he's taken through this journey. Do you guys remember which name it he's taken through? Um, was it was it a, just one or was it a few? I think it was just one, but if there's a few, hey, correct me by all means. Is it Eric, though, or something like that? I, I be- think. I believe seeing that in the text, actually, that he's taken him through um, the lower part of hell before, and I think this is, I think that's why, since he used such a specific name, that's why Dante is so... Reassured. Reassured that... Yeah. You know, he's, he's in good hands, pretty much. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions specifically? Paul, do you have any questions you would no. like to pose? Well, I have a big question. It's pretty much significant, I think, like, right away through the text. Okay. So, like, as you know, Virgil couldn't use his, like, words to go through the city of death as he's been doing through the different parts of hell. So, in your guys' opinion, what is so significant about Virgil not being able to go through the city of Dis so easily that he has through the rest of the story of Dante's Inferno. Well, we want to. 
I think it makes Dante have to fend for himself, and it kind of creates this, like, self-reliance piece that Dante hasn't been able to have to rely on throughout the text because he's always had like somebody guiding him or helping him like Virgil's always kind of been there for him and now you know Virgil isn't able to aid him in the way that he has previously I think for Dante it's it's kind of unsettling and struggling I think he's kind of understanding the like the insurmountable like the I, I think the importance of the invest that he's going that he's partaking upon and how deep he really is and I feel like once he sees that Virgil actually isn't like all powerful and he doesn't a hundred percent know what he's doing or he isn't a hundred percent sure of himself it's just kind of unsettling yeah this is him. the first time in the story yeah. pretty much where he's in a situation where Virgil has to take like his face through adversity pretty yeah, it's like, much that's the first like roadblock in the entire story yeah and I agree and I I believe that um, Virgil is kind of fearful right here, which we haven't really seen any yeah. like emotion through him. And I can like prove it through the text, like right off like the first like section of the Canto 9 on page 58. It says, That hue which cowardice brought on on me, beholding my conductor backward turn, sooner repressed within him his new color. So I kind of questioned that text as is Virgil becoming pale here? Is he like, is he that fearful that, oh my god, I can't go through this? I need, I, I need, I need other help. And that's kind of what I was like trying to ask earlier was like, is it a bad thing or is it like a good thing or that sh whatever that Virgil shows like his emotions and stuff? Cause like you were saying, it talks about how, uh, the flush of anger passes from Virgil's cheeks. Um, and then it quickly goes down to, but he betrays his own apprehension in the broken phase which he immediately covers with words of cheer like why is he so like why does he feel so like why does he feel like he has to cover those like emotions with words of cheer like why can't he be why can't he show emotion or whatever why can't he show anger why can't Virgil just be that like stoic guide or that he's been before like why is that for him important do you think Paul, do you have a... Well, I think he's, like, finally experiencing, like, fear in this Kanto. Like, he, like, it's kind of, like, through all the Kantos, he's, like, find a way to get through. But this one, like, specifically, I think he's, like, met his, like, first real roadblock. So, yeah, I think that scares him. That makes sense. I do agree on that. So, but let's go back to, the, like, an initial question. What is so significant about... Virgil not being able to go through the city of this like why is that important in the story it creates individual and in, individualism for Dante it like makes it so he has to kind of do things on his own in this journey which like we said he hasn't done before but how is Dante like doing this on his own he's relying on more he's relying on angel to enter to open the gate for him well, so does, he's pretty much just waiting for it an does to come. seem like whatever like help or aid that or that he has to have to like push him through these trials or through these things through the like the levels of hell it always seems like it is like some outer force so it is kind of weird that he's be he is being taken kind of just for the ride and it really isn't up to him i think when when he loses virgil in that sense it kind of makes it appear like he's got to fend for himself but right is like you skip two or three pages you're right it says that an angel opens up the doors basically for him and then you get to peer into the um the final level or whatever or the so you get to peer into the sixth level yeah six circle go yeah so i think for dante specifically 
he's always just been can, like taken along for the ride. So I don't think I think it does provide some individualism, like I was saying earlier. But like in actuality, I don't think that he ever really has that. Yeah. Paul, do you have an opinion or no? Uh, no, I agree with that. You do? Okay. All right, but uh, anyways. <clears throat> just because in any of the pictures or anything, he's always with somebody. Anytime that you look, like he's always being guided or taken or wherever it is, he's always kind of just along for the journey. So yeah, I think just overall that it's like the first adversity. I think they need to go through this in order to go through this, uh, the circles of hell now. And but do you guys think that he's gonna be able to do everything on his own, Virgil, as he has before in the earlier contos? Like, is he going to have to rely on other people in order yeah. for him to go through the numerous circles? Or is he just going to have, like, a clear-cut way to each of the nine circles that they're yeah. yet to approach? I think it's going to just get, like, more and more complicated as you go, like, I guess further downhill, like, the circles. So, I don't know. I think Virgil is going to need, like, a helping hand throughout the rest of the way. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be as, like, direct as as in Kanto 9 like I don't think he's gonna be yeah. waiting on somebody I think he's gonna like instead of like waiting on somebody I think he's gonna like know how to do things on the fly like on the go in order for it like to protect Dante and himself cause Dante's a mortal man going through hell so like yeah especially like it's scary yeah like I actually have a question like why do you like think the, that like heavenly messenger like spent like that little time with like Dante and Virgil it's a great question because I think it has to be, like, again, like, it's up to them to create their own journey. And, like, I think when we get to, like, peer into these heavenly things, like, when... Because they're in hell, right? And then they're saying that it's, like, this this being from heaven. So, in essence, it's supposed to be, like, this thing from, like, the greater world. Like, from the whatever. So, I think when we get those little, like, like interactions with these types of things, it's, like, for, for the strict sense of, like, direct guidance. And it's supposed to, like push him along in his journey and kind of like create like some progress in the thing if he comes to like some confrontation i think like the loss of virgil is that confrontation and that's why we see this angel figure kind of like helping dante along through it well i like how you said that you really like stuck at the idea out that the angel is in hell and i think to answer your question paul i think it's really simple why would an angel want to be there in the first place to help him you know, as yeah. I said in this text, he was pretty, he wasn't really angry. He just had kind of like a, like a blank look on his face. Like he had no emotion whatsoever because he just had better things to do in my opinion. And I just think he just like would rather not be there. Because yeah. like if you're that holy and stuff and like yeah. if you're an angel, why would you want to be in, yeah, hell in the first place? Yeah, it's like, it's like in other things. Like why would you want to lessen yourself and just right. help two guys go yeah. through hell? It's like, it makes no I would sense. agree with that, yeah. Yeah. That's a great question, Paul. But um, so now, since we're talking about like through the story as in the beginning, let's talk about, in my opinion, another significant part in the story, which is the three furies that appeared to Dante and uh, Virgil. And so, like, what do you think the three furies and Medusa symbolize and kind of play a role in the story? Like, why is that? Why was that so important for um, Dante to write about these three figures? Furies, sorry. Oh, I think the Furies, like I said before, they kind of like pose like almost, they kind of, they scare Virgil. Like it's like his first like real threat of those three uh, Furies. And the fact that like, that's like his first threat, I think it 
again, it like scares me. Do you think kind of foreshadows like the um, like the things are about to approach into the sixth circle of hell? Like this is where you get yourself into. Do you really want yeah. to do this? And like Dante's like of course scared out of his mind. I mean, who wouldn't be? Let's be honest here. And they're kind of foreshadowing like, okay, this is where you're up against. Are yeah, you up for it? What do you guys think about that? I think they're definitely foreshadowing. Like, just the real threat that this Circle 6 has compared to the other ones. Yeah. Stalzer, what do you think? I think it could be potential foreshadowing. I think it could also be, like, part imagery. And it's just kind of, like, re-solidifying the confrontation that he's seeing. And it's just kind of, like, saying, like, oh, this is kind of, like, the real world. Or this is kind of, like, the real, like, stuff now. Like, this is it. Like, this is... Like, like you guys were saying, like, it scared him, but I think it's, like, the first time that, like, I think all new experiences can be scary, but I think in the first time, this is when he, like, felt fear, and it was talking about, uh, just specifically how Medusa and the Furies, like, really impacted him, uh, prior to, uh, him, like, seeing the angel or whatever, so I think for him, it's, like, a uh, a little like perspective into the real world or what he's about to really go into or how serious it is. Yeah, I think they're well, as I'm reading, as you were talking, I was reading an article um, from JSTOR, which is which is uh, called A Journey Through Hell, Dante's Inferno Revisited, um, Pagan Inmates in Dante's Hell, Canto uh, 9. It, th- this author is pretty much saying that as I read in the text, the Furies only become tragic when they cease to be visible, vaguely resembling women, and when the three shrink into one word, eeriness, from uh, on page uh, 12 of my text. So, do they, there appear to be, um, what's the word, tragic figures. So, like, I'm just kind of confused on what this, this person is saying. So, do you guys have a... It's in it's my text. Yeah, yeah, So, like, if they were not visible, is this person saying that it wouldn't be, like, a, tra- like a tragedy? Like, tragic figures? So, like, if they were, like, ghosts, they wouldn't be as tragic? So, like, that's what I'm kind of confused yeah. on. Like, what is this person saying? I don't know. I'm kind of confused on that, too. Yeah, I mean, it's you thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stalzer, I see you. Uh, what are you doing? What are you, th- what are you thinking over there? Uh, it's just talking about how... Observe the doctrine that conceals itself beneath the veil of mysterious verses. I think it says that it talks about how the theories represent that there is no more returning un- upward... It says at the bottom, uh, the hidden doctrine seems to be the negation or unbelief of the Gorgon's head, which changes to the heart of stone, after which there is no more returning upward. The Furies display it from the walls of the city of heretics. So it's like talking about how like the Furies is like the solidifying symbol to like being in hell or something of that sense because it's saying there is no more returning upwards or whatever. So I think it's imagery of like what hell really is or of like the souls of hell because like throughout this his entire journey he's seen bits and pieces of like the you know the types of punishment for the specific things but i think the fury is like for him represents the like no more returning upwards i think that's what it that's what the furies are for him yeah and it's it's kind of like in in my secondary source here it's saying that like 
she the author is pretty much like saying that like she said vaguely resembling women because it's like these furies are like demons right so why paul why do you think that they vaguely resemble women in that sense yeah they're more like a monster in some yeah. sorts why so are, like, why is it like is that what she means by like the visible like visible tragedy tragedy is that what she's meaning by this paul yeah i'm pretty sure Oh no, I'm kind of confused. I'm like, I have mixed opinions on this uh, topic. But why, why is it relevant that they're that they're women? Like why? Yeah, why did why they, not why men, she like mention men. that they're or like he she's or something? I heard like in the text they say <laughs> how like as the hair it snakes as the hair. So I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> what do you guys think? Well, it's a great question, Paul. But um, I don't know. I just think that. That Medusa is like a bigger like figure in this yeah, text, you know. Yeah. Like I think like instead of talking about the Furies, we're talking about Medusa because like the Furies are kind of like her like sidekicks, you yeah, know. Exactly. That's so, gonna bring. Yeah. So you're saying that's I'm already. I think that's a great point. So you're saying that the Furies are a like small like like representation of medusa in the sense that they are both female and i get you're saying that because they're female that's where the representation of like the the evilness or the badness or the never getting out sense kind of comes from is from the idea that they're women i think that makes that's a good correlation to draw from medusa to the furies yes thank you thank you paul what do you think yeah paul we went back to you because like we kind of shy in this podcast so like i think well the three furies actually summon medusa so I think, you know, that relates to their own character of themselves. What is, well, so what does Medusa rep, uh, symbolize then? Instead of, like, the Three Furies, like, what does she symbolize? She symbolizes, well, I would say she symbolizes that that circle of hope. You think so? I think she symbolizes pure evil. I think I just well, think, yeah, like, exactly. is that, she, like, she's paralyzing like, you well, from your fear, pretty much. Because, like, like, that kind of, like, why she stones you. By just looking into your eyes, you're looking into like your fear, pretty much. Yeah. And it's like it's paralyzing. Yeah. Like imagine that. Imagine you look into your fear. Like honestly. So why to Paul? Why to you is that representation of evil? Because I mean, I was saying earlier that like it's the the female aspect of it that represents or so, that represents the evilness for Dante. But I'm saying. So you don't agree with? No, I do. Point. I would agree with what Marty was saying earlier. I think that's what I was trying to add to earlier. But I was saying for you specifically, how does the aspect of them being female correlate to them being evil? Well, that's pretty much exactly what Marty just said. Max just said. Pretty Marty much, Max, same thing. You know. Yeah, exact same thing. No, but whatever. How Medusa. Like it itself represents like pure evil, so yeah. Well, this is kind of like the first threat that Dante kind of faces. So, like, of course, he's gonna be even more scared, regardless. Yeah, I think if it's female or male, you know, like this is his first threat in hell that he's approached with, and he's so scared that Virgil actually had to cover his own Dante's eyes. Now, has there been a female aspect in the text prior in the cantos before? Hmm, because to now that I think. think back, it seems like either all or the majority of the beings that he faced are male other than maybe even the ones the he lion talks to or something the lion yeah, the, she wolf and leopard yeah well, even like the she wolf i think was the only other and what yes do you remember what the she wolf represented specifically 
in the first console. And they looked in my notes real it was fast. A, uh, I forgot specifically. I know it was like a type of decision making or something like that. Yeah, hold on. All the way back. Here we go. Because I feel like if that is like a oh, true aspect, the she wolf is one of the sins. I I remember. But uh, it's a uh, which specifically? It's, um, incontinence, like instinct. Okay, so I would. Because you're right. You're right okay, about that. So I would I would say that correlate. I would say that makes sense because instinct is like the the one sin that like we would consider that we have like not a lot of any control of it's just always there yeah and so it's just kind of whatever and i feel like the representation of like the female in their sense kind of embodies that is that it's like something you can't control and something kind of unsteadying and it's kind of unknown and i feel like that would make sense why the female aspect of it would correlate to being evil in this text throughout, you know, from Kanto 1 to the She-Wolf or from Kanto 9 to the Furies and Medusa. I feel like that's why, specifically, the female aspect of it would represent what it does. I do, and I do like how you related that the only female we've seen throughout the text is the She-Wolf and now comes back in a more, like, direct way in Medusa, you know? And it's also funny that a uh, female angel comes to open the city of city of this. So let's try to pose this question now. Like, what is the fem- What is the female a- aspect represent in this text? Because especially in this time, it had to be relevant for the author to choose to make them female. Because if you look in every single one of the pictures, every single one, when whenever all the detrimented souls and like whatever they're doing stuff in hell they're all male every single one in all even the, the ones he, even like the the people he's talked to yeah and, hell, yeah and exactly all the people he encounter are males it's everybody's a male so the fact that they have that they make specific characters female i think is done for a reason i think that's my question to you paul or to you marty why do you think the female aspect of it is so relevant well because because they had to make I like think, a conscious decision yeah, for the character choice because I think this circle of hell was like representing something completely different from the other ones. Mm-hmm. So maybe this like gender change, like this gender role change, could like symbolize that it's a different threat. But do you remember the um, circle five? Like, like who are in there? Do you do you remember? Which Kanto is that? It's like the raffle and soul in the Solon are punished for their sins. It's, it's pretty much the Kanto before. I believe Kanto 8 is pretty much talking about like they're now entering the lower part of hell and they're going into the sixth circle. So it's it's, it's what a, about it though? So so what was my question again? I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know. You were gonna ask it. Okay. Um. You were talking about the eighth Kanto and how it relates and. Our question, the general question, was how does the female aspect like correlate in the text? Like, why, why did the author make a conscious decision to make certain characters female when all the rest of them have just been male? It seems like by default. Yes, I, I do agree on that. Um, Paul, Paul do you have any? I gave my opinions. Paul did give his response. That is so true. That is true. This is like, just think about it, right? Like, you just try to free think this one. Like, 
throughout the entire text, even with all the outside characters and the people they talk to, it's all been male influences. What is the importance of the female aspect in this text? Because it's only been mentioned a few times. Maybe just, um, this is just like a top of my head right now. Maybe because of like, um, innocence, maybe, you know, of okay. Dante's innocence, you know, maybe cause like, again, remember how Mr. Stewart was saying how the person that's going to be greeting him in heaven is Beatrice, his love, his like lover. Yeah. His long lost lover. Yeah. So maybe this is like, I don't know, like sins or like guilt he feels of these furies or Medusa, or the, all the other future women we're going to see throughout the text, if there are any, leading up to Beatrice. He has to face these fears, these guilts, in order for him to see and and be with Beatrice in heaven. I can see that. Yeah. It was Paul, what you, Paul, do you have any <laughs> specific opinions about this? No, I, I think I want to try to wrap it up though because I have a because I think I would agree with Marty but I think it solidifies I think I'm gonna take it a step further and I would say it shows importance I would say I would say it shows relevancy in the text and back to what I was saying before about like how it's only done a few times I think it shows impactfulness and like Marty was saying about how the only the person that's going to be, meet, be uh, meeting him is Beatrice like it's a woman again it's something like a big event you know that's super impactful to him finally getting into the entire goal like whatever so I think throughout the text when we see these female aspects or these feminine character choices it's made to be shown as importance and it's made to show like relevancy to the text because i feel like like i was saying earlier this is the first time you get to see like hard confrontation and you get to see like you know again like virgil not being able to help him and it's again when you're reintroduced to this female aspect which isn't introduced in the in the story like prior to this canto other than in the one she-wolf example so i think it's to show like importance in the text and to show relevancy and i feel like that kind of goes back to what i was saying about how you know he's you know this is the first canto that he's like okay he's kind of understanding you know this is the real deal or he's on he's kind of understanding what he's getting into as he gets further and further like the female role spikes importance yeah i think also like motivation as well you know because like as like in the beginning of like Kanto, I think two, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, don't quote me on this, but um, uh, be it, um, Dante's kind of like not motivated to go through the circle of hell. Like he's, I mean, through hell in general, because like he just feels like he's scared. He's not, like, who wouldn't be scared? I mean, but Virgil kind of reassures him that Beatrice is gonna be the end of the line, and she, and she pretty much traveled through hell without being touched to go tell this message to Virgil to go seek Dante to bring. Her, him to her pretty much so like I think that pretty much motivated him to like okay let's do this you know let's 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 go through this uh, terrible journey to go to go get my or to go to go to heaven I would agree I would say that definitely adds to saying something's important it would add to the importantness or the import yeah the relevancy of this event I would I would agree yes and I actually want to end this podcast in, with one last question so as they so they obviously go to the city of this let's wrap this up here um they see the punishments of the people who are atheists the heretics you yeah. know do you agree on this punishment for this for, for for these sinners agree on the punishment or agree on the cause of the punishment both well i think it's vast different vastly different 
questions. I, like, just, like, which one specifically? Are you talking about agree with, like, what they're doing to punish them? Yeah. Or agree with what they did, therefore, that's why they got punished? What would you think? Which one? What they did and therefore why they got punished. Okay. That's what I'm going to look up specifically. Can you give me, like, a page number or something? Um, yeah, it's towards the end of the canto as they enter, um, the city of this and, and as um, Dante sees the burning tombs of um, are you talking about like when he peers into the final or to the to the, mo- the sixth yeah ring? they pretty much like defy God it's like probably it's right here this quote my on, on page 62 my master what are all those people who have uh, sepulture mm-hmm. within those tombs make themselves audible by doleful sighs so they're pretty much like in tombs burning and they're sighing of grief and pain pretty yeah. much like so also you- it's like based off their sin like how severe it was like the more it says like fiery the tomb was or the more like hot the tomb was based upon their severity of that like whatever sin they yeah, I, I believe also that the heretics, so like since they did not believe in an afterlife, so they're encased in like a fiery coffin for eternity, and the fire surrounding the coffins can be interpreted as like God's anger towards them. You yeah. know, I just think that's what it means. Yeah. So like again, let's go back to the question: Do you agree on this punishment of their sin? I mean, I would say based on ideology, no. But that's just like coming from my perspective and what I think of like the basic like Christian beliefs. But I think it, I would agree with your, the idea of like what it represents and how it represents what it does. But I mean, in essence, no, I, I would disagree that the idea of spe- this specific punishment is worse than a lot of the other things. Because that's another thing that we have to take in, in two examples, the, the moral compass of Dante in this sense, because it's not where art is set. Because what is... What is this punishment specifically? Did you say uh, was to atheists? It, it was atheism. Yeah. So this is like one of the worst. Like you're you're like pretty deep in it, right? Yeah. But it's and Dante's it's, opinion. Don't but the it. stuff that we've seen before of like I think we've seen like rapists and murderers and stuff that's been like not as bad as being an atheist. That's where his moral compass considered. So I think from that I think we could like ask the question like where does Dante's moral compass sit and why is that like so relevant? Because atheism, which is literally just not agreeing with their specific religion is one of the worst ones that you can get with like one partly one of the worst punishments so it's like why is that what it is because i would disagree with it okay off of your question okay i would disagree with it all right but why is it what it is my question that's a question for our uh viewers uh listening to this or our listeners so that's i think um, that's a good question that's for a, the viewers out there yeah that's a great way to wrap up this podcast i do appreciate talking to you guys about Canto nine of dante's inferno and hopefully we can do it again sometime All right, nice job, boys.